you know about layer one D5, greatest in the world, and they finally about to see why. But you know about XRD, I'm smart money, I ain't never on a decline. But you know about NFTs, it's not just Ace, when well, you finally gonna realize. You need scalability, need more utility, then you better call on these guys. I'm going radical, I'm going radish, I'm going radical, I'm going radish. I wish be D5, never on a decline, building the future, I feel like a savage. Hello and welcome. I am Piers Ridyard, CEO of RDX Works, a core developer of the decentralized finance protocol Radix, a public ledger entirely focused on bringing DeFi into the mainstream. This is our podcast, The DeFi Download, a show about decentralized finance and all things crypto, where we dive into the details of the projects, assets and services that are powering the DeFi revolution. Today, I'm joined by John, Senior Advisor to the Umbrella Protocol, and Philip, Partnerships and BD Manager. Umbrella is a community-owned, decentralized data oracle to power anything from DeFi to decentralized applications more broadly. Umbrella does all of this at incredible scale and incredibly low cost. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Pierce, for having us. Great to be here. Very well. Thanks a lot. So, let's let's start off with uh, a a little bit of a, a challenging question, right? So... Chainlink is already in the market. Chainlink's already a big oracle. Why does the market need another oracle service? What 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 can't we get with Chainlink? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I think in some ways it's the reason why we're around and we kind of started. You know, one of the challenges that are, are you know is exists today is the fact that. You know, while there is some data, there are some price feeds that are being offered. Um, it's limited, uh, and, and limited both in terms of scale and also limited in terms of diversity. So if an application on chain wants the price feed of Bitcoin or Ethereum, USDT or any of the, you know, kind of top 50 coins, you can probably get it via chain link or, uh, you know, there's some kind of a relatively accessible manner to, to get it. But if you want, let's say the entire S and P 500, you want, um, specific data around, uh, health or sports or weather and at scale, all of a sudden it becomes challenging for a, a multitude of reasons. Um, it's partly because the way that most oracles write data on chain today is, in a linear or sequential fashion. So if I want, let's say, you know, going back to the S&P 500, if I want all, you know, 500 stocks, um, what happens today is each one is a separate price feed or, uh, which means each one gets written to chain separately as an individual transaction. And if you're looking to get that on chain on, let's say a layer one like Ethereum, where transaction costs are very high, it becomes incredibly prohibitive to uh, do something where you need a lot of data or you need a lot of data that is um, needs to be frequently updated. Um, uh, and that's where we are able to provide a solution where uh, mainly because our data is aggregated uh, first before it's written on chain. So it could be 50 pieces of data. It could be 500,000 pieces of data all of it is aggregated uh, into a single root hash, which is then written onto the layer one uh, blockchain. Uh, partly also because we're, we're a layer two solution. So all of this is processed uh, a layer two on our side chain, uh, which allows us to do it quickly and efficiently and securely, and then written onto uh, whichever layer one blockchain that we support. 
So you're 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 taking you're taking a more mature approach to writing data on a public ledger. You're basically going, well, instead of putting all of this data in on the ledger itself, which makes it cumbersome and and like at the end of the day, public ledgers are relatively expensive databases. Even if they're incredibly scalable systems, you're still paying for consensus. There's still a cost behind that. So what you guys are saying is that let's write the data to a layer two and let's instead have a way of proving what the data on the layer two by by anchoring that proof on the layer one via something like what you're saying is a is a root hash of the root hash for the merkle tree for the data okay so but now what you have as an application as a as an application developer if you're a dap and you want to build an application now you have to integrate this sort of this this layer two to be able to get the actual original data out. So how do, how's the developer when they're thinking about you know using something like this where it is a lot cheaper? How do they think about actually integrating that data from the layer two into their application on something like Ethereum or Radix or or, or any other layer one? So initially, when we first launched, um, there was a little bit more uh, coding that was would be required for that, you know, um, decentralized application where they would have to, you know, pull the data. They have to actually, uh, you know, do some, um, you know, verification of the proof against the, uh, you know, essentially the Merkle root hash that was written onto the layer one. Um, and then from there, they, they can then know that this is a verifiably, uh, truthful piece of information that they can then utilize for whatever, you know, application or purpose that they need for their, for their DAP. But, um, over the last, you know, six to nine months, as we got some feedback from, you know, some of the, I guess, uh, you know, alpha testers of our solution, you know, one of the things that came around was just, you know, even though we had a, uh, what some saw was a, was a, was a more effective solution for getting scale data on chain, um, there was some friction involved in actually extracting that data and then verifying it. You know, we've since developed a solution that we call Passport, which now allows us to uh, directly deliver that data into um, the DAP's smart contract so that they don't now need to do the proof verification and all those things, which to be perfectly frank is something that since this is our you know core competency, we could probably do in a more effective way internally as a solution than to have every single DAP have to create custom code to to call the information to do the verification etc so, so let me let me unpack that make sure i understand it just read it back to you so what you're saying is you have a huge amount of data that you're writing to to to, to a layer two and this can be basically expanded as much as you want it, there is no there's sort of no limitation to how much data you can write in there you're anchoring back that date those data rights to a layer one to make sure that you have a proof that that data is you know it it, it can't hasn't been changed won't be changed that that was actually the data that was written at the time it was you then have a sec second system which is a parsing system which which has a DeFi application, let's say that I've built a simple Oracle and the Oracle allows people to do derivative trades between each other on the S&P 500. And one particular derivatives trade wants to know an ongoing minute by minute price of the, let's say, uh, Apple's 
stock, right? And so the uh, what you have then is you have a little parser that is going between the layer two back to the layer one to write specifically into that contract the data feed that that particular application once while still having this verifiable chain of data as to go, being able to go well you know i can prove that this data is correct because i have the root hash on the layer one and i have pulled the data that is verifiable against that root hash from the layer two back into this application to give it the block by block information it specifically wants without load like unloading huge amounts of information on top of that is that right yeah, that's exactly right. So by doing that, um, it you know kind of lowers the friction that the uh, decentralized app needs to to do in terms of specific customized code to uh, to do all the verification. Uh, our you know password solution now brings that uh, quote unquote I guess in house to do uh, so that way all the you know all the DAP needs to do is kind of essentially receive the verified you know, singular or multiple pieces of data that they need specifically for their application delivered to their smart contract um, that they now can get at scale and okay. also at a, at a you know significantly lower cost, particularly if that data is uh, something that, um, you know, again, is not like, you know, the, the top 25 pairs and, you know, uh, things that uh, are, are quote unquote the, the most commonly used stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the problems that you see in the market often is adding the data feed in the first place. So like with 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 Chainlink, it's just getting to the point where you have an oracle for the thing that you wanted to build an oracle around uh, that you wanted to build a, a, a smart contract around. So from the point of view of a smart contract developer, how do they get data added to the to to uh, umbrella, like what's the what's that process look like? Yeah, so I mean, again, this was a, another area that we saw as a you know current challenge in the market today because of the high costs of getting data on chain. Um, uh, you know, other oracles, you know, sometimes make it difficult to add custom data. You know, because for us, everything is. Added to a, uh, you know, just a broader Merkle tree with, you know, almost uh, unlimited number of leaves slash nodes that we can kind of tack on. Adding, uh, any additional price feed becomes just a very simple exercise of adding essentially to that database that we then ultimately have to, you know, roll up into kind of a, a root hash, you know, unique root hash identifier onto a layer one. So because of that, much easier and almost, you know, free process. It's very easy for us to add additional data, add additional price feeds, um, uh, for kind of whoever needs it. So, you know, it's one of the ways that we feel like is another value add for various projects, particularly smaller projects that might be like, look, I just want my own price feed for my own token, which, uh, you know, is not a top 50 or a top 100 token. So uh, other oracles may say, look, uh, it's going to take this much time. You're going to have to wait six months, nine months, which apparently is currently, you know, uh, sometimes the wait list to, to even, you know, get something listed through, through a chain link. But then on top of that is the incredibly high cost that's associated to even get that data on chain. And sometimes uh, it just doesn't make any economic sense 
for sure. a certain products to do that. So, but how, how does it, how does a project practically do it? Like, what do they, like, what do they have to do to, cause like, presumably you guys don't write all data in the world at the moment to your, to your layer yeah. two, right? So, you, so, so you to, today we don't have like a self-service mechanism, you know, down the road is something that we have, like, uh, it's something that we like to do where, yeah. uh, we might be able to do it in a, in a more uh, self-service fashion today. It's just reaching out to, our team and saying, we'd like to work with you. We want to get our price feed up and running. Um, as long as we're able to pull that data, let's say it's a price feed of a, of a, of a, you know, of a, you know, mid cap project, as long as we can get that data through, you know, our various data sources, maybe it's one of our aggregators, maybe it's, uh, you know, you know, we were directly into integrated into Uniswap and, you know, uh, we pull data from CoinGecko and other, um, exchange, uh, data providers then we can add your, your data feed. You know, once we add it in, it becomes available uh, and we can uh, start serving it to uh, whichever, you know, kind of DAP is, is requesting it. So it's a fairly straightforward process and we can get it done within, you know, one, two weeks. Okay. And I think, I suppose the other element of this is like the, I, I understand from the point of view of the data being written to the layer two and the the Merkle root hash and all of that kind of stuff as being able to prove that that data was in fact what was written. But the other like difficult bit of the Oracle is making sure that the data itself is good. So like, how, how does that happen? So there's two parts of that. One is just ensuring that we have enough data sources. So we use a mixture of both premium aggregators that uh, are themselves doing a certain level of data, data sanitation and, and, and verification checking, um, as well as direct integration to various, um, you know, I guess, exchange uh, exchanges and marketplaces that provide data like a Uniswap. Um, we then also have a community uh, run, you know, network of validators. Now, currently we have uh, 26 validators that are each uh, independently pulling data from, you know, our data sources, uh, and, uh, verifying that and, and, and performing a consensus among the validators. And once that data is verified, it is then, uh, only then that, um, you know, the lead validator will then mint the block and write it on chain. So, uh, we have kind of, you know, several steps that are taken to try and ensure that not only is the, data sources uh accurate but uh we you know take a look at all the different pieces of data to ensure that the right one or the verify one is then ultimately written uh, on chain okay um philip what have you guys been seeing in terms of the the kind of projects that are, are sort of taking up the umbrella protocol at the moment i mean right right now we still we were still in uh development mode so right over the last few months, we've, uh, we've developed our multi-chain approach, which uh, helps us uh, write onto each chain uh, individually. Before that, uh, we, we had some technical limitations, which, uh, were, uh, which were due to, to replication soft, um, uh, 
architecture that we had. So we, we were depending on one blockchain we couldn't replicate uh, to, to, to all the other uh, more, more often. So this is now we, we, we've just entered the phase of uh, being able to provide very high frequency on, on specific chain uh, without being linked to the, to the mother chain. And we're, uh, we are in discussions with, with several projects to, uh, to use uh, the Oracle. So those are some uh, DeFi projects that either needed uh, the deviation trigger uh, that is offered by, by Chainlink. Uh, this is pretty much offered because uh, because of the cost, right? Uh, if you would ask them to, to write on chain every 10 seconds, uh, that becomes very costly. So the way to, to minimize and, and to reduce that cost is done by this deviation threshold. Um, uh, and because we... Due to our architecture, we cannot have a, a deviation threshold because we, we have 800 assets in the Merkle tree. So there will always be a deviation uh, of uh, a minimal deviation among all those uh, data points. Uh, well, what we uh, do, what we can do now is uh, offer very high frequency on, on specific blockchains. Uh, and, and this actually covers, you know, the, the need of the project that want to have, you know, every uh, 30 seconds update or, 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 or so on and so forth. So we're just applying this now. Uh, we, we are in touch with some DeFi uh, protocols that need uh, you know, very high frequency and that we couldn't uh, offer before that. Uh, and we're also looking at some uh, other type of projects which are very interesting, like a sports betting, decentralized sports betting platform. You know, they need data from uh, from sports data provider to 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 just uh, make sure that their protocol runs on it. And it's if you imagine you you'd have sport, let's say football data updated constantly, mm-hmm. uh, every right. single data point in those events will have to be uh, written on chain. That doesn't make sense, like John said before, economically, financially, to, to, to have everything written on chain. And then uh, ju- just in case someone someone uses the uh, the 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 DAP. So so we're looking at, at those type of partnerships. Uh, obviously, the bear market has been uh, you know affecting every single project. So it's um, it's a, it's a bit more challenging right now because people are holding on to their uh, assets, but we, we we do believe that we we have um, a way to to minimize costs on 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 the on the project's uh, finances. Just because uh, if they you know we we can uh, we can offer some sort of flat rate and, and uh, make sure that uh, projects don't overpay in times of high fluctuations. You know because this deviation trigger would kind of. Uh, if there is high fluctuation, then you pay more often, uh, and 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 yeah. So there are there are several uh, projects, several uh, layer ones as well that, that we're talking to uh, to integrate uh, our uh, tech into. Uh, and what we what John said is we we're looking towards the future. So today we're pretty much using the. Uh, price feeds for for DeFi. Very few use you know traditional finance data. But once we we blockchain reaches the next level, uh, and and any other sort of large data sets are needed on chain, uh, then this is where we think that we we, we have a, a competitive advantage, uh, just because we can make those data uh, available 
this type of data available on chain at uh, at an affordable cost. Okay, understood. And 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 from from the point of view of like the wider possibilities of data on ledger, like uh, the funny thing about all of this, I think sometimes um, the is that. In 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 many ways, it's sort of boring backend technology, right? Like the whole crypto space is kind of just boring backend technology, um, but it's so exciting because of what it suddenly makes possible. It's the it's the it's the unlocking of those sort of like possibilities, and obviously, you know, unlocking a huge amount of more verifiable data on Ledger introduces a bunch of interesting possibilities but i'd be interested to understand what you think uh john is the most is the most what, what do you get most excited about in terms of the wider possibilities here i mean I, I think one of the things that's kind of crazy is to me at least is uh just how early things are you know like i think with many technology disruptions across, you know, history that th- this kind of follows a similar curve, right? There's this early excitement and hype, uh, followed by maybe the fact that realization that the tech isn't fully there yet. So there's this like, uh, you know, drop in hype. And, but during that drop in hype, uh, the real builders and kind of, uh, players in that ecosystem start to kind of crazy stuff, right? I mean, if you look at the internet boom and bust and then reboom, so to speak, uh, you know, initial infrastructure for internet probably started in the late sixties and seventies, right? But it didn't take until maybe the late nineties for some actual applications to start. And then the hype cycle started with the dot com boom where everybody, every company that change their name to a dot com could go IPO on the, you know, NASDAQ or stock market. Uh, and then there was a bust, you know, because a lot of those companies that came out during that time, it was probably a little bit too early. And it wasn't until probably the late, you know, 2000s that truly utilitarian applications like, you know, Facebook didn't really take hold until 2008 or 2009, probably a good several decades after the initial technology came out. I mean, I think it's the same thing for, uh, you know, blockchain, you know, Bitcoin white paper wasn't out until the late, you know, like mid, mid to late 2000s. Um, so, you know, if you, if you look at it in the same cycle, we're, we're super early. And it's the reason why, you know, peers, you guys and what we're doing, we're, we're still building the plumbing, you know, because, you know, people are like, Hey, how come sure DFAS sounds great, but you know, if you look at DAP radar, like why is there so few transactions happening today? Well, it's because the infrastructure is still being built. We're still laying out the, the plumbing and the pipelines. Right. And, uh, until that part is done, um, you really can't scale. So, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is to help uh, build, uh, some of that infrastructure so that you can get data at scale and inexpensively because on that front, you know, you look at, you know, cellular and mobile and, uh, uh, what can you do with your Nokia phone back in, uh, you know, 1999 or 2001, you know, make a few phone calls and maybe send an SMS, but because the bandwidth was so low, there wasn't much data. You couldn't do much more than that simple functionality. 
Right. But once bandwidth started to explode and you had, you know, 3G, 4G and 5G, you know, uh, all of a sudden, look at where your phone, your smartphone is today. You pretty much can run your entire business and your whole life on your smartphone, partly because of the fact that you can get that data and you can do video conference calls and watch your Netflix and, you know, uh, do, you know, do your finances and your trading and everything on your phone because the infrastructure is there to allow you to do that. The apps are now being able to be built on top of that. But fundamentally, it's because the, the infrastructure is now there. The pipelines have been laid out that you can get data at scale and cheaply, where now people don't even know what carrier they It's just like, hey, I have Wi-Fi. Right. Therefore, I can get my stuff done. Right. So right. hopefully, you know, over the next 10 plus years, this will also follow suit. So I think it's incredibly invigorating to kind of be part of uh, something so early stage where hopefully we can all make an impact in changing the lives of billions of people by helping lay out some of this infrastructure that can uh, then bring out, you know, bring out that real revolution of the applications themselves that can then, you know, impact people's lives. So for me, that's the most exciting thing and what gets me up in the morning. So if you were like in the next, you know, for the next cycle, for the next bull market, if you were going to place bets on what you think is going to be the key applications of your technology in applications on top of public ledgers, where would you be saying, where would you be telling entrepreneurs, developers, people who are focusing on going, I'm going to build this thing, but I'm going to need this data or even going the other way and saying this data is now available as a result of umbrella. You guys should be thinking about looking at this area. Where do you think it's going to blow up next? I mean, that's a great question. Uh, you know, if I, if I knew that I, I, I probably, you know, <laughs> I'd probably be also, you know, starting businesses in those areas, you know, or, or be involved in those projects as well. But, you know, to be honest, I, I think it may be almost inevitable that most things will start to move to the blockchain because, uh, it's just inherently superior to have a trustless permissionless based absolutely system. true absolutely so true right but like the, the thing is is not is not if it's when but it's the, when but the exactly. key question is when that's the question i'm asking right is like yeah the dot-com boom you look back at the dot-com boom many of those companies weren't wrong they were just early so this is the this is the main problem to to pause right now is like what do you think is going to hit off next not like, is everything going to go? Yeah, of course it is. But what do you think is going to go off next? What are you most excited about? What do you think is closest? I think just because, the, you know, I think DeFi, for example, or just eventually just finance, right, is going to move to the blockchain because one, you know, there's already enough, you know, test cases of it happening and people are starting to get, not necessarily used to, but at least, a, you know, enough of a, uh, critical mass of people have started to, to utilize, you know, uh, blockchain based, you know, finance that it'll start to continue to expand. And it won't be just, you know, purely native, uh, DeFi applications. It, it, it'll be some of these institutions, right? So it's part of the reason why we, we have been focusing on expanding, uh, a lot of, uh, data across, you know, um, you know, like traditional finance, uh, stock quotes and, stock option derivative pricing fees, like that stuff we're already building out. So we see kind of 
or personally, I see kind of further evolution on that front, just because it's already kind of gone to gone out to market and DeFi has already kind of taken uh, somewhat of a, of a foothold over the last two to three years. The second area that I personally think is um, going to be more critical to like broader mass adoption is on the gaming side, just because, uh, you know, there's millions of people who do finance, but there's billions of people who play games. Uh, so on that front, whether that's, you know, being able to, you know, store customized gaming session data on chain so that, uh, you can, you know, further power the esports, you know, uh, genre on chain or, you know, further leveraging kind of, you know, verifiable random number generation to be able to power blockchain or web three based games. Those areas I see as uh, the next kind of wave of applications uh, on the blockchain that are going to help to drive mass adoption. Um, are those going to be the biggest industries? Who knows, right? Because, you know, healthcare and just, you know, public private data, things that have to do with, uh, you know, political or even legal document. I mean, all those areas can be fully, you know, revolutionized using blockchain tech and, you know, various types of, uh, you know, whether it's, whether you want to call it smart contracts or other things that can be leveraged, right? So I feel like it's, like you said, it's a, it's a matter of when, not if. Um, but, you know, I think finance and gaming are probably the next two big areas that are going to see, uh, that we're already starting to see kind of, um, uh, early stage innovation and hopefully eventually uh, broader base adoption. Interesting. And, uh, Philip, you, you mentioned sports betting. Do you think sports betting is going to get big on Ledger as well? I mean, no, not only sports betting, I mean, any, any sort of, you know, platforms that have been built in, in web two have the potential to go to, to web three, uh, if they, if it's done correctly. Uh, I, I also see, I mean, Sports betting is a bit uh, is a bit complex just because of the you know the real time uh, data. Uh, so you you could have sports betting beforehand. You know all these betting odds before the game. In in game data is a bit is a bit more challenging just because you know um, running consensus takes time sometimes. So so you you always have a, a lag there. But what, what what I see also very interesting as a as a use case is insurance. Um, you know, if you if you can get insurance smart contracts, a large insurance company starting to to build their insurance contracts based on data. I don't know uh, the the typical uh, example of the the farmer that wants to insure his crop for from you know weather uh, weather conditions. Uh, I mean, we, we today we 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 cannot know what, what next summer is going to look like. This summer was very hot, but if you if if uh, those companies can start building their uh, insurance contracts based on weather data that we could bring on chain, you know, uh, humidity, rainfall, wh whatever, within a, a specific area. Um, then it could be automated, so that, which means on, on, on the on, on the company side they wouldn't they would have lower overheads. You know uh, why? Because they don't need to go and and have uh, a person verifying uh, the data, having the claim. So it could all be automated. So in a way, you, they, they, there is a trade off for them. You know, it could be automated. They have lower costs, uh, and the and, and the. Uh, 
uh, farmer could know that the payout will be automatic if the conditions are, are met, which is based on data. It's not, you know, that's kind of in my head. I, I don't see it happening yet. Uh, but, right. but those are the type of, uh, of things that, that I think, you know, will, will move, uh, which the industry will, will move towards uh, very soon. And, and on top of that, also some sort of real FI uh, that, that could take over, uh, you know, as the next step to, to DeFi. Uh, and but for for that you you need uh, data as well. So um, yeah, that's super interesting. So it, it's been such a pleasure having both of you guys on the show, uh, and so interesting to hear about Umbrella Protocol more. If people want to find out more about Umbrella Protocol, get involved, or, or, or ask you guys to integrate some data feed for their DApps, where should they go? How should they get started? So uh, people can. Uh, join uh, or at least visit our website at umb.network. Uh, we've got our, our Twitter page at uh, again umb at umb network that they can follow. We've got uh, you know fifty some odd thousand followers and a pretty welcoming and open community. Um, we've got our you know Telegram chat channel, our our, our medium uh, blogs with a lot of informative articles about our protocol about our community about um kind of various applications that uh, uh we can help to um support uh all that can be accessed through our website um Philippe, i don't know if there's uh, additional information with regard to reaching out to us for any business development opportunities that you can provide i mean usually you can either uh, contact us on, on, on Telegram or on Discord, uh, and you'll be forwarded to me. Uh, you, my, my Telegram hand, handle is just angles underscore U, uh, UMB. Uh, and yeah, anyone who reaches out, you know, I, I contact back very quickly. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, looking forward to seeing more from Umbrella Protocol soon. Thanks for having us.